When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And a very good Thursday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme with John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And let me start with a gorgeous, positive email that I arrived into this this to this morning that made me smile. And it just, it, it's from uh, Joanna. And it just shows, even with everything we're going through at the moment, all the negativity that can be out there and people being fed up with everything that's going on with the pandemic and we can't go anywhere and even though things are starting to open up again I thought watching the news last night it was great to see the hotels slowly but surely getting back on a track and people having something to look forward to but no matter what's going on you can try and put a positive spin on things and that's what our Joanna and her husband did and she decided to email to tell me all about it she said my husband and I we ate out last night it was our first time in ages. We wrapped up warm and we headed into town, Dunmanway. We grabbed some cutlery from home before we left. In the square in Dunmanway, they have erected a permanent gazebo structure with plastic picnic benches under it. We sometimes grab a cappuccino and a cake during the day and sit there. Today, tonight, we ordered a Chinese takeaway and we ate it al fresco under the gazebo, sipping our lovely hot soup and munching on Chinese ribs and prawns. It was a perfect date night. God knows what people thought as we ate away with our own cutlery, using a towel from home as a tablecloth. It was great. We had a great time. I love eating outside. The more the merrier, says Joanna. Isn't that lovely? Well done. And you know, there are a lot of those sort of gazebo structures and little podlets have, have been set up. The council got involved in that. I think nearly all of the towns now if you're it's usually close or right outside any coffee shop they've sort of put these structures outside wooden structures outside and there's usually a covering on them and people can sit down but that was just a lovely thing to do because I think lots of us during the pandemic got takeaways but you bring the takeaway home and you still have all the washing up to do and all of that afterwards whereas if you go out like that and actually eat out of the containers and then bring your containers home and dispose of them properly which I'm sure is what Joanne, Joanna did but to bring their, your own cutlery with you and everything that just sounds 
delightful. And I don't know because she doesn't say in her email or not, but if they were headed into town, I don't know if they walked or had to, had to drive. I don't know how far they are away from that gazebo structure. But what would have topped that off nicely to me would have been a nice little sneaky glass of red wine and maybe they partook of that as well. So well done, Joanne. So you can end up having a perfect date night, even if there's nothing open where you can actually go in and uh, sit down. So well done. And thank you for emailing Patricia at c103.ie. And thousands of people who got their first dose of AstraZeneca vaccine, I imagine, are feeling a little bit relieved today with the news that came out that you may now be fully vaccinated sooner than expected. And this was the advice we were waiting from yesterday from NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. The recommendation now, it's allowing for flexibility of between 8 and 12 weeks before the first and the second dose. At the moment, the second gap between the first and the second dose is 12 weeks. It was 16 weeks at one stage. Then they brought it back to 12. Now NIAC are saying you can go anywhere between 8 and 12 weeks. And I know certainly anyone who's had AstraZeneca that has been contacting this programme will want it closer to the 8 weeks than closer to the 12 weeks. I don't know how soon this is going to happen because obviously there's going to have to be organising it and getting the vaccines out to the various centres and calling the people in. But it does mean that most people now will be fully vaccinated sooner rather than later. And the move it mainly affects healthcare workers and that's healthcare workers of all ages who would have received their first AstraZeneca shot. All of the people who were in their 60s, they all got the AstraZeneca shot. And there was also then another cohort of people with underlying uh, conditions. People in cohort four and cohort seven, many of those received a first dose of AstraZeneca and they're all waiting to get their second uh, dose. And many of them are already at that eight week or gone past that eight week uh, mark. And of course, the reason for all of this and the reason that NIAC looked at this again was because of evidence that has come from the UK showing that one dose of AstraZeneca offers less protection against the Indian variant of the virus. And they've been discovering this in the UK where they have millions of people who have only had one dose of AstraZeneca and we know the way the Indian variant which I must now start getting used to what it's, its new name it's uh, that's the Delta variant they're trying to get away from calling the by the countries of where they started so the Delta variant you have much more protection when you have your two jabs of AstraZeneca I think it's the same for Pfizer as well but the one thing with the Pfizer is you're only waiting a month between the first and the second dose and the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan has uh, written to the HSE now outlining what the NIAC advice has been so now it will be up to the HSE to start implementing and start giving the second dose out uh, to people uh, so it will be up to the HSE now to implement it as I say it's, uh, it's going to I think it's going to take a couple of weeks prob- probably because if you think about it the people who are getting their vaccines uh, this week they would have been contacted probably sometime last week or the back end of last week and likewise people who are due a dose across this weekend and next week are already you know their appointments are already set and ready to go so there's going to be a bit of planning is going to go into this so I, I take it it's going to take a couple of weeks and Dr Hulahan, by the way also has written to the HSC surrounding guidance from NIAC about whether people under the 
the age of 50 who received one dose of AstraZeneca vaccine would be given a Pfizer or Moderna jab as the second dose. NIAC, this is what I'm reading from the papers today, NIAC gave consideration to this and it was because the very small risk of unusual blood clots associated with the second dose of AstraZeneca was higher than was originally uh, thought. But they gave consideration, but I, it doesn't say oh, what way they have decided to go. So I did, if I take it from the, I take it from what I'm reading that they gave it consideration, but because it is a very low risk, they're going to go with and stick with the plan as is that everybody who has had a first AstraZeneca will get a second. Well, we'll keep an eye on that in case it changes. But it is for people under the age of 50 because those unusual blood clots have been associated and actually it's people well under the age of 50. Anything that I've read uh, or anything uh, that I've any research that I've done on this it seems to be mainly and it's women more than men and it was mainly women in their 30s who ended up getting this very rare clotting event but remember they know now what they're looking out for and there has been very very few deaths linked to it that if God forbid somebody did get one of these very rare blood clots they know what to do they get people into hospital and the majority of them have uh, fully recovered but but Nayak gave consideration but as I say I don't know what way they're going but for people with AstraZeneca you can expect that you'll get called sooner so you will be fully vaccinated quicker and I think that's what most people most people delighted to get the first jab but then the kind of there's a sense of give me my second jab and then give me the time period that I need to wait so that I can then hand on heart say I am now fully uh, vaccinated and people by the way who had COVID-19 in the last uh, 15 months and are now uh, they are now presumed to have immunity for nine months from when you first contracted uh, COVID-19 and according to Tony Houlihan that period it was six months and now it's gone to nine months and they reckon as we go through the year and they're doing more research and you know they're doing more studies in world trials almost as you know as uh, as as time goes on they reckon that that might even increase to 12 months later on this this year but at the moment it's gone from 6 months now to 9 months if you had COVID-19 you will still have immunity uh, Neffert are also going to look at whether vaccinated people will have to wear masks as part of the continuing review and they're going to be looking at that over the summer now yesterday we still have cases in this country 407 confirmed cases of COVID-19 were reported 81% of the cases were were among people under the age of 45. Just 2% were in the over 65 and the median age is getting lower and lower almost every day. The median age for yesterday was at 24. So it's certainly, uh, it really is showing how, it's showing the effects of the vaccination and Professor Philip Nolan of Neffet said the situation was uh, stable. He says the outlook is positive and he said that is all down to the effect of the uh, vaccination. However, he did say unvaccinated people in particular need to be careful and people generally need to keep their close contacts low and he's asking people to do that over the coming weeks and then they started talking about Limerick and Limerick are really really having a bad time of COVID at the moment 740 cases were recorded in the second half of May that was just in the Limerick area alone now 
what's driving a rise in numbers. They're saying it's been driven by multiple community outbreaks linked to what they call high-risk indoor activities, things like house parties and things like uh, family events. Now, they gave some, uh, the public health doctor with the HSC in the Midwest gave some examples of cases that have been identified in Limerick. In one case, 30 cases were recorded in a school and the reason for that, it was after a series of birthday parties and social events involving students. So they picked it up outside of school and then obviously then brought it into school. Limerick also has recorded more than 50 cases in 20 workplaces during that same two-week period. It included retail, it included beauticians, it included hair salons, office and factories. One hair salon had more than 50 contacts. Now that's not saying that it had 50 cases, but 50 people had to be contact traced and sent away uh, for testing. And, you know, it was probably a very busy uh, hair, hair salon. And then they say in other workplaces the wearing of masks appears to be what we, he described as intermittent. Uh, people just not abiding by the rules and the regulations but Limerick certainly certainly having a very hard time of it and then one of our listeners Kieran contacted us this morning he was on the 9am train from Dublin to Cork and he said he was really blown away by the fact that when they put into Limerick Junction he reckoned between 60 and 70 people got onto the train there was no social distancing none of them were wearing masks people had masks Sorry, people, they were wearing masks, but then when they got onto the train, they took the masks off because this group, it was a large group of people. I'm, 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 were they all travelling together? Anyway, it was a, this large group of people got on, but then they started eating and drinking. So they obviously had to take their masks off when they were eating and drinking, all sitting. I don't know if they were in the same train carriage as Kieran uh, or not. He then started to feel that there's too many people on this tra- train. He also fe- felt that it exceeded the 50% capacity that you're supposed to have. And then he said when the train pulled into Mallow, more people got on there. He said people did complain to the Irish Rail uh, staff and they got support from the Irish Rail staff but he just felt too many were allowed to get on at Limerick uh, Junction and he is led to believe that they then went on to photo so it was a trip out to uh, photo but he couldn't get over why so many people were allowed onto the train. Now we're contacting Irish Rail to try to find out. I thought all of those intercity trains that you had to pre-book for that very reason to make sure that when, when all the tickets are gone all the tickets are gone to make sure that that wouldn't happen that there wouldn't be over the uh, capacity and then when you now I haven't I have to say I haven't been on a train since the pandemic began but I know of people who have travelled on trains and, and I've seen photographs of people on trains and the seats are all marked off that you can only sit on the seats you know the seats that are not allowed to be sat on are marked off so I'm assuming staff are monitoring that on the train now maybe it was the fact that all of this this large group got on at Limerick Junction and then they all wanted to congregate together because they were travelling together maybe that was it but it made Kieran very very nervous indeed and that is understandable particularly if people start taking off masks in order to eat and drink. Thank you to Joanne from Domanway who sent in that lovely email about her date night last night with her hubby where they went off and got a Chinese takeaway where they brought their own cutlery and a little bit of a towel with them to make it look like a tablecloth and they set up, they sat out under the permanent gabo structure which has been uh, erected in the square in Domanway and they felt they had a little bit of a date night and they felt that they were eating out and dining al fresco and it was 
was lovely. And uh, I was wondering, do they have a little sneaky glass of wine? Well, Joanna's been back on to say, no, we were, we drove into town as we live a few miles away. So it wasn't a case of walking and having a little glass of wine. But And she also says, don't worry, we always keep the takeaway dishes as they are so little containers as they're so very useful. A glass of wine in our PJs when we got home. And by the way, uh, Joanne said, we also had some prawn crackers left and we gave them to a guy who seemed like he could do with them. Well done. Well done, uh, Joanne. And thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, it was really just such a lovely, bright, bright email uh, to receive this morning. And somebody else was on just wanting to say thank you to uh, somebody. It is Stephen and Clan has asked us, could we thank Damien Driscoll, who is a bus driver with the West Cork Connect bus service. Fantastic bus service in West Cork. Uh, Stephen says, I wouldn't, he wouldn't be great. He said, I wouldn't be great on my feet. And he said, before I got off the bus yesterday, Damien said, uh, without me having to ask or prompt him or anything, he said, just wait there for a couple of seconds. And he got a lift out, which helped me to get off the bus. And then he guided me off the bus. He's handling the whole situation was excellent and I just want to pass on my gratitude to him so take a bow Damien Driscoll if you're listening to us this morning and I love to hear that somebody who just realises that here's somebody who just needs an extra little bit of help they don't even need to ask for it Damien knew exactly what what to do so well done and it sounds like that was handled uh, really well as well on vaccines Patricia why in God's name did they give us the AstraZeneca we in our 60s and they're now saying we've no protection until we get our second one. We're not accepting the second one now over all of this controversy. We're hoping we would get something else. Patricia, we're full of anxiety. We're so sorry we took the first dose of AstraZeneca and I just get so saddened when I see texts like that. Honest to God, there is... AstraZeneca is a great, great vaccine. They have just noticed in the UK, because they have so much of the Indian variant, we have some of it in this country. We have little pockets of it, but we don't have a lot and hopefully we won't have too much more of it if we don't if we manage to contain the spread of it but as soon as you get your second AstraZeneca then you will be protected against that Indian variant but you're protected against the other variant and even if God forbid you were to pick up uh, the Indian variant you still wouldn't be as sick as you would have been without having the first vaccine it's still a really really good uh, vaccine and looking at anything I've seen I don't think they're going to change their minds certainly on the over 60s whatever about the over 50s looking at giving them a second uh, a different vaccine certainly NIAC are looking at that but for the over 60s it is going to be the second AstraZeneca what I would suggest that you do is maybe have a chat with your GP or when you go along to get the second uh, vaccine they will allay your fears and the really good news on the AstraZeneca is the fact that they're reducing the wait period so you won't have to wait 12 weeks you're only going to have to wait 8 weeks and you will be fully vaccinated then sooner rather than later and then you can heave a sigh of relief and you'll be able to go out and uh, hopefully get back to leaving a normal life uh, again but I I know it's dreadful to have that kind of uh, anxiety and my heart really does uh, go out to you. And someone else says Hi Patricia, myself and my wife we both got a Pfizer vaccine, one on the 18th and one on the 20th of May. We got it at the vaccination centre in Mallow. I'm just wondering how long will we wait for our second vaccine? 55 and 53 respectively. You wait, it's four weeks from the first shot. So four weeks from the 18th of May. So the 18th of June and the 20th of June in, in and around that, that kind of week 
the week of, if you just mark it on your calendar what day you got it in around that, that week. I know people who have received vaccines at their GP practice got called earlier. I've heard of people who got called back in, say, after three weeks. But from what I can gather from the vaccination centres, because the way they're doing it, because the vaccination centres are so busy, if it's a four-week gap, then you will be, sometime around that four-week mark, you will be called back. And it's the same with the people with the AstraZeneca. Uh, people now are going back in who got their first shot three weeks ago and that will be shortened back to two weeks. So it's it's four weeks though for the Pfizer jab. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Fishermen are planning to set up their own political movement, saying they're sick and tired of being ignored by politicians when raising concerns about the decline of rural Ireland. And to find out more, I'm joined by Patrick Murphy of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning, Patricia. And, nice and, to talk to you again. And lovely to talk to you uh, as well. Now, this um, organisation and this movement is yet to be named. Um, but how do, you, how, how do you go about setting up a political movement? What are your plans? Do you know, we're going to break the normal rules, Patricia. We're actually going to go to the people and let them decide. So all we're going to do is ask for people to meet us with uh, postal towns and halls and let's see what they want. All we're going to be is a conduit for this. So is, you see it as a political movement rather than saying we're setting up a political party, is it? Yeah, I, we're not going to detail what it's going to be. All we know is that there's a need for it there. Rural Ireland is dying around us and I don't think we're going to get any favours from, from the political parties that are there and, and I'll explain why. We have a situation where we elect people to the doll and unless they're in cabinet, they're not given the, the, their concerns. We, we've seen where politicians are going in there, argue with their party, but turn around and vote with the party with anyway, or they'll be kicked out of the party. I think that's a broken system. I think Ireland deserves better, and I think this is the time for it. And I think the power has to be given back to the people rather than the political parties that are there at the moment. We already have a, a rural independent group of uh, TDs. I think there's six in, in that group. I mean, and in your own area in West Cork, uh, you have Michael Collins. Um, yeah. as, a group, are, are, as, yeah. as a group, I mean, they are very good to highlight rural issues. But are you saying they're not able to get anything done? Yeah, because there's not enough of them there. Not because the will isn't there, not because they're not capable in doing it there. They don't have the power to do it. And I think that if they were assisted and aided by having more of them there, then they would be given the power to do it, and they'd be getting the things that they're fighting for rural Ireland done. Is there anybody that would disagree with what they're putting forward is the question. And if you don't disagree with what they're putting forward, then you have to help them and assist them by putting more of them there. There's power in numbers. And this is more than just about the decline of the fishing industry? Oh, this is rural Ireland. We're only one aspect. We keep saying that if you pull any leg of the stool from underneath, the stool will fall over. We, we have seen a decline in schools, shops, businesses, trade. You know, property is going up, not because of local people, but because of other rich people from cities coming down, driving up the prices, making it impossible. Being told you can't build on your own land, the issues there are numerous. 
And we need, as a, a rural community outside of the cities, to say, no, we're not going to be pushed into the towns and cities. We need to protect rural Ireland. We need oases of houses in rural Ireland that will prevent the stripping of our land to be massive big farms. We need to protect our biodiversity. And every house, instead of it being considered a blight in the land, would be an oasis where animals and wildlife around the hedgerows, where flowers and people are living. So we have to turn it around. Living in rural Ireland isn't bad for rural Ireland. It's good for rural Ireland. And I think that's the one thing that the pandemic has uh, done, Patrick. It's certainly focused people's minds on getting out of the rat race of the city. And it's shown us remote working, that you can live in any beautiful, scenic, rural area and still conduct a job that before the pandemic you've been doing in the middle of a city. So there are people that want to live and work in rural Ireland and there certainly are people who have a connection with the land, people who perhaps have a family connection with the land but the problem, the the one-off rural houses is just an ongoing issue, isn't it? Well, Patricia, it's more than that. Our services are dying in rural Ireland. As a person who delivered his third child in a car because we were too far away from the hospital, I am all but well aware of the decline of the services and everything that's happening in rural Ireland. And in the position I'm in now at the time, I think the timing is right. I think rural Ireland needs people from rural Ireland to go to the party, uh, to, to the government, in power, to make sure that rural Ireland is protected and that the decline is overturned and changed. And not just um, talking, but actual action, but power. But we need to get people living, more people living in rural Ireland for some of those services to return. I mean, isn't, isn't that the issue? Yes, but you see, Patricia, the, the older generation now that's there aren't taking on new apprentices or bringing new people in to replace them when they retire. So rural Ireland will be gone before we know it and it'll be 10 times the job to bring it back. If we don't do something now, and fishing is a prime example of it, you know, if you take that out of those, our region, by the studies carried out by the likes of BIM, it can't survive. And it will knock everything else. It's the domino effect. Look, it's very easy to, to prove what I'm talking about. If you drive through most of the rural towns in my lifetime, the shops that were there that were supporting jobs and everything else are disappearing, left, right and centre. If we don't do something about it, it'll end. And it, it's not as if we haven't tried through the system that was there before us. We need to get something changed. And the change is to put people in that know what they're talking about, have lived it, understand it, and they will not change because they'll be unified in the a few points that they'll put together that they'll be standing under. Yeah, and we need to revitalise those small rural towns and villages that once had shop after shop after shop and now they're all empty. Look, I, I was the Baldyhub Community Council chairman. We, we bought the old bank in, in Baldyhub, right? And we call it the gateway to the Mizzentavinska. And through the endeavours of the local community, we have that bank paid for now and the new chairman is working continuously and tirelessly, voluntarily, to build that up, to put services in that building to make up for what's not there. That's the local community empowering itself to do this. But we need to step it up a level. We need the next level up of government to take on that mantle and make sure that we can assist them. So 
that there's money funding that will be guaranteed to be there for rural Ireland. Our roads are in a terrible state. You heard Michael Collins 52 years before we get them back. That's a shocking indictment for any government. We see €4 billion Euros spent on a hospital. I know how many beds are there, 100 beds or something for, for children for the entire country. Like, if you have a child with a medical condition, how long would it take before you'd get that child seen inside that hospital, no matter how good that the excellence of the services are there? We're moving away from what worked in the past and the services that we had locally. And if we don't do something about it quickly, they'll be gone. And another one in order to get people to come back and live in rural areas and work in rural areas is broadband. I mean, you know, only last couple of weeks I've been talking with those lovely ladies from outside Clan who had to get onto Elon Musk in order to get a satellite dish so that they, they're in a dead spot for broadband. And there's so many other dead spots for broadband. Yeah, we have digital forge in our area. I, I know I don't want to be seen to be promoting a business one over the other. But the services that man provides has allowed our area and, and the likes of that, and that's provide that service. It's more it's the entrepreneurs like that that'll keep us alive, but they have to be supported as well. Mm. And, and so there, there has to be thinking. And the only way you're going to do this, Patricia, is the people that are living there that understand this, right? That, that have skin in the game, right? We'll do this. And we have to go around and find these people, educated people, young people that are, are passionate about their communities. And these are the people that we have to send to the doll, but with a common thread, because it's the same all over rural Ireland. And we see that our farmers are being told because, you know, the gases that come out of the cow, we, we might have to cut our herd. That's madness when it's a percentage of a percentage of a percentage on the global scale. We cannot wipe out our rural communities for the sake of somebody else. So India can have another uh, station or coal and gas. We're, we're importing turf briquettes into this country from Germany because we have to shut our own down for the climate. Sure, that's not sense. Look at the carbon footprint of bringing that into the country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the hundreds of jobs that were lost in rural Ireland from that. So look at the beet factories. Look, there, I could go on and on and on, but to be honest with you, I have to go on yeah, but, yeah, but with the sugar, they came back and said they made a mistake. You're going to get your job. <laughs> Did you say you're going to get your job? I'm going to get the jab oh, now, yeah. Okay. And just before I let you go, because uh, you just brushed over it and it was such a kind of stop me in my tracks, you delivered your baby, your third baby on the side of the road. We did, yeah, yeah, in the front seat of the car. What happened? What, what happened? We didn't make the hospital. <laughs> we, we were heading for Cork. We met the ambulance in, in Bendon and uh, we got a guard escort and everything from the Medway. Like, you know, this, it, we should have been told to go to the Bentry. But we were told to go to the Ernville in Cork at the time. And so, you pulled, you, know, you pulled in, you pulled in, and baby was delivered. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many years ago was that? Oh, she's seventeen now. She <laughs> probably killed me for saying this. <laughs> <at the radio. laughs> wow, it's great. I think it's a fantastic story for her. I no doubt she's she's probably sick of hearing it now at this stage. But listen, go away and get your jab. Um, we we certainly will stay in contact with you. The the one thing is, you, I know you want to meet and get out and meet with people in communities. Are you going to have to wait until this COVID-19 is, is gone until well, people are fully vaccinated? Haven't you done a fantastic job now to get people discussing it, Patricia? And look, if they see there's merit in this, it'll go. If it doesn't, it'll die a sudden death. But I don't think it'll die a sudden death. I think it's a necessity. And I'm just a person living all my life in rural Ireland. I'm five miles from the nearest town. We just bored our own well the other day. Do you know what I mean? And, and luckily, we, there was a grandfather to help us with it. You know, we need to get people who understand what it's like to live in rural Ireland 
not only be representative of us, but be given the power to be able to do things and change. They can, we cannot have our TVs going up to the doll and being told under the WIP system now, even though you're fighting for your community, you're not really going to be given the, the, the kudos to do it. And that's the problem. OK, I can see lots of people agreeing with you, including Liz, who says rural France is an example of what Patrick is speaking about. It is gone. Villages and towns completely uh, shut up. Uh, we, we need to do something. We need to shout stop now. OK, listen, Patrick, go in, get your jab. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Anytime, God bless. Take care. Bye bye, bye. Patrick Murphy of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Even though he wasn't joining us, uh, wearing that particular hat uh, today, uh, but the need he feels for a political movement to get through to the politicians that the rural Ireland is sick and tired of being ignored. This week, the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, confirmed that pharmacists around the country will begin vaccinating people early this month, according to the Irish Pharmacy Union. Over 1,000 pharmacists have applied to be part of the vaccination rollout programme. And joining me from the IPU is Katrina O'Reardon of O'Reardon's Pharmacy in Enniskeen. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Uh, well, you're very welcome. Have pharmacists been very frustrated at your exclusion to date from the vaccination rollout programme? You, you seem to be all set and ready to go. Yes, in fairness, we were kind of ready to go um, pretty early on in the time. And uh, we have, I suppose, since the announcement back in December that we would form part of the rollout along with the GPs and the mass vaccination centres. Um, we have been, I suppose, waiting to be called upon, um, ready and waiting. So, yeah, I think there's probably a feeling of frustration out there, um, you know, from December kind of moving on um, into May when we're promised it would be, be quite soon. And, you know, we're, we really do welcome the Minister committing to early June now at this point. Um, having said that, um, we probably don't know a whole lot more than yourself at this stage as to what exactly format that will take because we haven't had any official communication from the HSC. So I suppose we are urging the HSC to, you know, um, you know as quickly as possible now because I think at the end of the day, it is our patients that are waiting and we're waiting to look after them. So it's, you know, um, it's in everybody's interest at this stage to, to speed up the process a little bit. So it has taken and, a bit of time. Yeah, and getting a vaccine at your local pharmacy will be so much more convenient for people, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. And particularly in areas that aren't, you know, well served by the mass vaccination, mass vaccination centres. Um, like the centres have been doing really, really well. And obviously the GPs have been doing Trojan work. So, um, but the problem is, I suppose, for example, you know, if you're living um, like the Balivorna and you have to go to, to Bantry or to Clonakilty, you know, that's quite a long distance round trip. And, you know, you probably would advise to bring somebody with you to make sure that you have somebody to drive you. Um, and uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, if they were able to access it from their local pharmacy, um, it would be, it would just be so much easier for everybody. And like we've seen that with the flu vaccinations, like I think we did something like 300,000 flu vaccinations mm. last season. Um, and I know from my own practice here that people just love to pop in. They'll, they'll stick their head in one to go, you know, what, what day suits? And very often I'm able to say, come on in now, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll do it while you're here. And it just, it, it does make it a lot easier. I think, you know, I suppose, you know, farms as a, as a profession are, are very trusted by their patients. And, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a comfortable setting for people. So I think it can only add, you know, it, it'll ease the burden, I suppose, on the likes of the GB practices. Um, and, you know, it'll absolutely, enhance access and increase capacity so you know it's, yeah. it's, it's all positive Yeah and you know interesting that you mentioned the flu vaccine because you've got the you, you have the setup already I mean even last year we went to the little family bubble in our house the three of us headed off to uh, Rebecca our local uh, pharmacist and uh, we all got done and it was such an efficient system and we were in and out in you know minutes and it was it was just um, terrific and, and the other po- point I think from the pharmacies Katrina, you'll be able to help with some vaccine hesitancy or people that are a bit nervous about injections, for example. 
Yeah, and I, do you know, to be honest, we're doing that already um, to an extent in that, you know, I certainly have had loads of phone calls from patients who are, you know, they're just about to log on from an IT point of view as well, of course, you know, it, it, it is a little bit challenging for somebody who wouldn't be comfortable with IT. So, you know, we've been kind of guiding people through that. And, and obviously that, that step would be skipped really in pharmacy. We'd be able to have a more simplified version of that. Um, and then um, just to talk them through when they have made their appointment or when they're considering making their appointment at the centres, we've been talking them through what it involves and, you know, what you know, side effects they might experience or, you know, the positives really and, and the kind of the why we should present ourselves. So I think um, somebody can come into their pharmacy and they can have that conversation have a think about it, pop back in the following day. You know, it can be a process that works at their own speed. Whereas I suppose, you know, if you log on, you make your appointment and then you, you turn up at the centre, you know, you do you do feel you're very committed to it, you know, even though you might want to, you know, but you're feeling a little bit anxious, you know, and it's 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 so nice to be able to do it, you know, in your local pharmacy with somebody who knows you already um, and, you know, as you say, with with, um, with needles, um, I'm pretty good at distracting people and getting it, getting it done pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we've been, the, the flu season went, you know, obviously supply was an issue in the flu season, but otherwise it went well for us. And we had to, you know, obviously, con- you know, consider how our layout and, um, our process for welcoming patients because nobody was vaccinated at that stage from COVID as you can imagine but it went really really well so I think we're all and we're all experienced vaccinators as well you know I've, I've been doing this for over a decade now at this stage so um, I think we're you know we're ready to go because we've had a long run in as we mentioned earlier we, we've all the extra you know added training done and um, and you're have, all yeah, fully vaccinated yourselves as well at this stage well, I've got my second appointment. I got the text late last night. So I have my second appointment coming up in the South Infirmary and it was um, a very positive experience uh, for my first appointment. And my um, the two girls that work with me here, they were done yesterday and one of them is being done today. So, great, um, great. Again, you know, we'd like to have been done a little bit sooner. But I know, just, I know. It's fantastic. And, and you know, Katrina, really have you many customers asking you about, can you vaccinate me? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a daily conversation with, with many, many patients. So definitely the appetite is out there for people. Now, look, I, I know I think the HSC probably, we have to be very, very careful. Supply isn't, you know, it's, it's always going to be a factor. So um, it, it may be that they would bring pharmacies on stream that are in more rural areas or areas that are less well served. And I think obviously, look, here in Enniskeen, we're very near Tlanakilty. So that isn't quite as much of an issue. Although um, I know you yourself have been helping people who, you know, have been stuck for getting lifts and spins to, to send so even, you know, even being 15, 20 minutes away, you know, may still be an issue for somebody who doesn't mm. drive or, or mm. might not have family members and they, they can just pop into me. So, you know, we'll probably see it, you know, being rolled out, um, you know, a stepwise approach where pharmacies, um, you know, that are very far away from vaccination centres may actually, you know, step up first. But, you know, we're, we've, we've all signed up for it. You said over, over um, 1,200, I think, of us have signed up That's for great. it. So, That's you know, fantastic. I think we're, we're, yeah, we're ready to go. It's just, you know, I suppose. But no want, dates yeah. are no indication of what vaccine you'll be delivering. No, none as of yet, other than what has been, you know, I suppose announced by the Minister, um, you know, to, to the media and to the public in general. Um, there has been an intimation that it will be um, Janssen first, so we can mop up any persons over 50 that haven't presented at the vaccination centres. Um, and then moving on, because the supply of Janssen um, is um, short at the moment. Yeah. So uh, moving on then to, you know, and we very much welcomed actually that the Pfizer, the, the stability outside of the freezer was extended there recently. So that's been a huge bonus to us as well. Um, it just makes it a little bit more feasible to do it within our own, you know, you know, obviously we have temperature controlled fridges and all that, so it just makes it a little bit more feasible as well for delivery to us, I think. So, um, but you know, we're very happy to, to go ahead and, and you know, get to speak to some of our patients who are over 50 and who might have had queries and as I say, maybe felt a little bit pushed into a corner with having to log on and, you know, we'll be able to encourage those people to, to take it up um, and then move on to the next tranche of people um, as per age groups.
Yeah, and it is all dependent on how many vaccines come into uh, the country. I mean, uh, and in fairness to the HSE, as soon as those vaccines are in, they're out to the vaccination centres, they're out to the GP practices. They, please God, they'll sooner rather than later be out to the pharmacists and, the, and they will be in people's arms. We'll keep, uh, keep in contact with us, Katrina, and as soon as you hear or get any information, uh, we'd love to chat to you again because I see a lot of people were saying, yeah, I'd love to be going to my pharmacist uh, to go and get my jab. Listen, look after yourself and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you so much, Patricia. Good Thanks morning so to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That bye-bye. is uh, Katrina O'Reardon of O'Reardon's Pharmacy in Enniskeen, waiting, literally waiting on the date for when vaccines will arrive at their her pharmacy and other pharmacies around uh, the country. But again, it's as I say, it's all dependent on how many vaccines we get in. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 We're going to text a what you can text a WhatsApp 0862 103 We've got news at 11 on the way. In the next hour, I'm chatting with a mother who's trying to get across to people to be a little bit more understanding, particularly about children and young people and indeed adults who may have a hidden disability. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts and calls coming into the programme. Heidi said, morning, Patricia. Listen to that gentleman. This was uh, Patrick Murphy uh, talking about the decline of rural Ireland, talking about fishing and rural Ireland. At long last, somebody is ready and able to stand up and speak out about how unfair this doll is, particularly to those of us living in rural Ireland. A TD gets in and then they seem to sit on their hands. Just look at the property tax. Property tax is supposed to be a service that will cover things like street lights, street lighting, roads, pavements to name but a few. Pavements when there isn't even any pavements. And Michael Collins, our local independent TD is a good guy, trying all the time to speak up for us but nobody seems to be listening. It's about time we the people made a stance so that the government will have to listen to us and that's from uh, Heidi. Uh, thank you for that and just on property tax because obviously we haven't we've been really thinking about property tax and it's all back in the news again now and we're all going to have to revalue our houses knowing that our houses have gone up since we first started paying a property tax and revenue the lovely tax man and woman, will be taxed with closely monitoring home valuations. Now the government say that they are putting their trust in homeowners to accurately value their houses under the new property tax scheme. So you work out how much your house is worth and then you'll work out how much you're going to have to pay. Taxpayers will be asked to fairly value their homes. Now they'll use, you use a range of factors. It includes the Revenues Interactive Property Map and the property price register and that will be ahead of the November deadline. November is going to be the deadline for the revised scheme. Homeowners will also be encouraged to look at house prices advertised in local newspapers. You'll be encouraged to go online to try to determine if you're trying to work out how much is your property worth. So obviously if your house, the house next door sells and your houses are identical you'll get a good idea how much your property is valued at. Valuations then will be reviewed by revenue and homeowners will be contacted and will be challenged if revenue Revenue believe that your the property, the price you've put in, that you have undervalued it. Homeowners, by the way, who are found to undervalue their homes, you'll be forced to pay backdated tax and it will come with interest. And seemingly figures released by the Revenue Commissioners show that nearly 15,000 people 
corrected the value of their homes since the tax was introduced. And when was the tax introduced? It was actually eight years ago. There is a combination of homeowners who've been self-correcting their property values are some of them were cases where revenue challenged and said, oh, I think your house is worth more than what you're actually saying. Last year, for example, even only last year, 803 people corrected the value of their properties. Pascal O'Donoghue, the minister, said people who buy new homes in the coming year, they'll be asked to provide a valuation based on the value of a similar house built in November of this year, because obviously the valuation that we do this year on our homes, that will remain in place then for four uh, years. Uh, it won't be reviewed again until 2025. So for the next four years the value of a house will be based on the value of the house in this year 2021. Uh, uh, and then what does it all mean? Who's going to pay more? Who's going to pay less? Now they're saying they're they're the government are saying that while there will be a lot of changes to the local property tax, they're saying about a third of homeowners will pay are set to pay more. But 53% will pay exactly the same and it seems 11% will actually pay uh, less. So little over 30% will pay more but the bulk of people 52, 53% will pay the very same. But of course one of the big changes with the local property tax is going to affect about 100,000 homeowners who had previously been exempt from the local property tax. Why? That was because they had bought new bills within the past eight years. They are going to be getting property tax for the first time next year. So everyone will be paying property tax. And they are saying there is another change to the property tax. All the money raised in each local authority within the future stay within that local authority. At the moment what happens is councils get to keep 80% of the local property tax every year that they raise and then the 20% goes into what's called an, an equalisation fund and that gets distributed to local authorities with greater financial uh, needs and it gets spread out around the government, around the country. Now the government are saying what will happen now is 100% of, for us here for example, in Cork City Council or Cork County Council, 100% of what is collected by the City Council or the County Council will stay to be spent in the city and in the council. But the government have promised to make up a shortfall for councils who lose out under the new scheme. So I don't know how much money, if Cork City Council or Cork County Council gets any money, how much they get every year under that equalisation. But it is going to be November you will have to have your house revalued and they are expecting that the majority of houses in the last eight years certainly have gone uh, up. They're saying in some cases that houses have doubled in the past eight years. Now, I'm not going to get into because it. I'm generally speaking good with numbers, but the way the bands have been changed and how you calculate it, I was bamboozled last night trying to work it, uh, trying to work it all out. But they are, because if your house has doubled in price, you're thinking, am I going to pay double what I paid on my uh, local property tax? But you're not, because even though your house is valued, they're, they're moving, they're widening the they're widening the valuation bands so it will mean you'll pay the same amount even though your house has maybe jumped up into another band and is of higher valuation but they reckon most houses in the past eight years could have doubled in price so it'll be by November you'll have to do the re-evaluation and that valuation then will remain in place for four years and you won't have to worry about it again until 2025 but in the meantime you'll be paying the property tax every year between now and uh, 2025 so thank you Heidi for your comment they got me they got me talking on that okay 
What else is coming into us by uh, text? Hi Patricia, I'm 43. I registered today. It's the 43 year olds. Yeah, well done. Um, I've registered for my vaccine. Uh, how long do you think I'll be waiting to get a call? What's been happening certainly with people in their 50s and in their 60s up to now, usually about two weeks. Most people waited uh, two weeks. Again, it depends on the vaccine supply, how much vaccine comes into the country. We do know that the 40 year olds will be getting the Pfizer and our Moderna jab. And we do know there's a lot of Pfizer due into the country. So I would imagine around the two week mark. But as we've said to people in their 50s and in their 60s, if you get to three weeks after registration, so mark it on your calendar three weeks from today, if you haven't heard anything, we'll be encouraging you then to give the HSE a call at 1850 24 1850 just to, they'll flag it then if you've been waiting longer than three weeks. But generally speaking, most people haven't been waiting. There's been the odd few have kind of fallen between the stools for whatever reason. But as soon as it got highlighted to the HSE, the person then got their vaccination appointment. So, but so I would say about two weeks. And uh, let me know. Let me know how you get. Let me know if my prediction is correct. And listen to this on vaccination. Hi, Patricia. I got a letter in the post yesterday. And what was it? But my vaccination card and a note saying I had left it after me after my first vaccination in Killarney a few weeks ago. I must have dropped it on the way out as I got the literature about the vaccine. And I thought that the vaccination card was with the literature. So when I got back into the car, I popped it into the glove compartment and said it'll be safe there. It's so it'll be grand there until I need to go back again and I'm so glad somebody found it and went to the trouble of sending it back to me in the post as I would have been searching high up and low down there would have been prayers and promises of money to St Anthony to try and found, find it so as that Kerry lady said to you in a previous text another day who went there for the vaccination they were fierce nice and they looked after you alright how true to her word uh, she was and the same could be said of me so that was nice somebody picked it up and returned it to you and you would have been you would have been really tearing the house asunder trying to find uh, the card actually what I did with our cards because obviously there's three of us in our house have got vaccined got the vaccine even though my husband doesn't need doesn't need to go back on his but I still have his card because he got the Janssen and Janssen I have the three of them up on the fridge ready to go so that when I get called and when Marcia gets caught, I know exactly where the cards are. Actually, somebody said, and I was surprised to see this because I must check, it, it definitely isn't on my card. Somebody said that when they got their card, um, I don't know if I can find it now, was it into John Paul this call came or was it in? Somebody said that when they got their second jab, Margaret and McCroom, it was into John Paul, Margaret rang. Margaret said that, she said, when I got my first jab on the card, I received at the bottom of the card, it tells me when I have to go back for my second. It has the date of your second jab. I'm really surprised to hear that because I've got my card at home and there's a blank space where, the, where they'll fill in the date of the second jab. So I'm really surprised to hear that, Margaret. And I'm wondering, was that at a GP practice? And even then, how would they know when they're going to have the vaccines in I'm really surprised to hear that. I haven't anybody else that when Margaret got her first jab on the card, it had the date of the second jab on it. Really surprised to hear that. Let us know if, if anybody else that happened to anybody else. 1850 333 103 scam calls. We'll never stop talking about scam calls. Another one doing the rounds got a scam call from an 076 number. Uh, it was 
it was they said it was about my AIB bank account. The person appeared to have a, an Irish accent and it could mislead people. Please be very wary. What I would suggest you now do as well, the fact as well that it was somebody with an Irish accent because remember we had somebody yesterday who thought they got a scam call and it wasn't a scam call. I would ring your AIB bank branch and make them aware of the call that you received and just to make sure that everything is okay with your account. Particularly when you said it was somebody with an Irish accent because you've also got to err on the side of to make absolutely sure that it wasn't somebody from the bank trying to uh, contact you. Hi Patricia, the ditches at the crossroads and the bad bends, they should be cut before somebody gets killed. There, uh, In some areas, I feel, they haven't been done in some 30 years. There was once upon a time a man with a shovel who would have been out there in all rural areas and he would have kept the ditches at the crossroads and he would have been cutting all the ditches back at the Bad Bends, but nothing has been done there in quite some time. And a my listener says, Hi Patricia, you were on about Limerick and what's been happening with Limerick. Well, it's just really worrying what's been happening with Limerick with the amount of COVID-19 cases. Well, let me tell you about the people here in Formoy, says this Formoy. Listener, Now, I won't say all. Some of the people in Formoy have no respect and they seem to have no regard for others are indeed for themselves when it comes to this virus. They gather in packs and when you try to walk past them, they simply will not move. The teenagers can be as bad. Again, they have a tendency to gather in packs. No masks, no social distancing going on. It's like they don't seem to care, Patricia. It's like those that will it's the like of those that will put this country back into full lockdown. Would the people of Formoy please cop on? This is actually a very, very dangerous virus, says a Formoy listener. Yeah, and unfortunately it's a virus that's not going away and that's why we all need to, to get fully vaccinated in order to protect ourselves and to protect other people. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 an Arctic driver is wanted. That's for the North Cork area. While Dermot Casey tree hire, they're looking for tree climbers. They're looking for groundsmen, machinery operators, and MEWP. Not too sure what that is. Full and part time with truck drivers wanted. That's for work in the Charleville area. While experienced labourers are wanted to help with construction trades, and that's in the Ballyhooley area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Thank you. A huge number of people have contacted us by phone and by text and by WhatsApp when I was talking about a listener who, Margaret, who had said that when she went to get her vaccine, that the date of her second jab, the actual date, was on the card. And I was saying, God, I didn't realise that they were doing that and certainly I've been to vaccination centres and it doesn't give you the date of your follow-up jab. You've got to wait until you get your, your text message and I was wondering had Margaret gone to her GP and then a huge number of people have contacted us to say yes. When I got my first vaccine it was a Pfizer vaccine it was at my GP practice the date for my second was on the card. My daughter got her first this week and the date for the second is on the card too. I got my second one yesterday says this texter well done and Michael saying the same thing. I went to my 
my GP and the date for the second vaccine was on it and now have both of my vaccines done says uh, Michael and thank you huge number of other people saying the same thing so it's at the GP practice where they actually give you a date whereas at the vaccination centre you've got to wait for your text and then someone else was on to say good morning Patricia I went online to register for my vaccine it's 43 year olds today are uh, registering and guess what says Eileen and Clan. the site is down for maintenance so John Paul just went on there to see if he could find out more because we can't email the HSE anymore normally we'd be able to email the press office and they'd be great to come back and tell us what is going down so he said yes uh, he, he said Eileen is right it is down for maintenance but he said it looks like it's a general thing it could be a volume issue but they regularly do maintenance on those sites it's probably a couple of hours and you can check back in again uh, Eileen and you will be able to uh, register and I suppose the phone line is there as well but then if we swamp the phone line with people so just hang in there and you'll be able to register hopefully uh, later on but just to let people know if you were going to register online at the hse.ie it is down for maintenance now Joanne Murphy is a mother of four from Balancolic and she's contacted us to highlight the problems she faces while out and about with her teenage son. Her teenage son has autism and Joanne uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Joanne. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I'm, 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 ver- I'm very well. And listen, thank you for, for joining us on the programme. You. Your problem is people don't understand that your son, Bob, has special needs. Just outline some of the circumstances that you found yourself in. Yeah, uh, well, I suppose just uh, as, a, as a kind of a background, I'm the local area rep for AN2 in Cork City, Southwest, and uh, Bob is 16, and he has a diagnosis of autism and moderate learning disability. So I've been, you know, used to disability advocacy for as long as I've had him, 16 years, and I'm I'm used to the rough and tumble of it, and, you know, the sort of, I suppose the personal... Um, advocacy that you do on, on an ongoing basis as you're going into retail outlets and so on and so forth. But what we have had in the last 15 months has been on another scale altogether. Since the right. pandemic? Yeah. yeah, since the restrictions. Okay, go. Um, we have been stopped uh, in and shopping centres, asked to separate, even when we explain the diagnosis. There is why can't you separate? And I'm saying, well, he has autism, but why can't you separate? This is coming back all the time. I'm constantly having to go through customer service complaints. Now, they do resolve it in the end, but it's work. It's an ongoing work. We, My husband and my son were pursued around one shop by a manager who kept insisting. Now, this was after they had got the OK. They had got the security guard to ring up to say, could they go in together? And they were given the okay. And then as they were up there, the manager kept coming around three times. She came up to them and asked them to separate. And they were, at that stage, my son was pushing the trolley. My husband was on the other end of it. So they were about three feet apart anyway. Um, We've had issues where we were asked to separate on a bus. Um, Now that was dealt with again by, and and successfully dealt with. Um, But the, you know, the, issue we had then at the weekend was we were in a disabled toilet and we just closed the door and then there was a banging on the door and we were asked immediately to open the door or the, the what I think was it seems to be the security guard was coming in and so we have all of these issues building up and I feel what it is really is that it is a moral abdication by government um, of all sort of responsibility in civil society that those restrictions and 
poor guidelines um, and everything have brought in and they have put it into the hands, uh, ad hoc hands of individual retailers, um, individuals and even not only individual retailers or individual organisations or individual service companies, but even within that, the guidelines are not getting through to the person meeting the customer or the service user or whatever it is. So, you know, I find myself like on an ongoing basis now, I am having to do um, consistent disability advocacy all of the time, all of the time awareness, and I'm getting pushback. And you know? the, 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 the problem, and I, I, I'm probably even using the word problem is, is the wrong word, but your son Bob is a fine strapping young lad. Oh yeah, he, I mean, and he's, he's over six foot. Yeah, he's, he's fine and tall. Yeah. And he doesn't have a sign tattooed across his head saying, I have special needs. No, and the, but and I mean, the, we do carry cards. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had one instance where I, I produced the um, the Just a Minute card, the jam card, as it's known as, and for the person rolls their eyes at me. Like, So, I mean, you ha- we have an ongoing issue. And I think one of the things that I'm pushing for through AIM2 is that we need to put disability rights and disability access and disability training on a far more formal um, basis in organisations. We can't be leaving it down to individual organisations to take it up if they want. And that's one of the things that I found, actually, was as it was going up through the the customer service process with the various organisations, and there were a lot of them at this stage um, in the last 15 months, is that there was really, you know, there was really no grasp and no formal training and no commitment to it um, by any of the organisations. And that's what's needed. That's that's that's, that's that because it's it's like I mean I I don't know if you've spent much time in the town of Clonakilty, which is an autism uh, autism friendly town, and they are beyond incredible. Everywhere you go, every shop you go into, uh, and then even the townspeople themselves have an understanding, have a much better understanding of disability. Children have a much because they teach it in the schools. But yeah. that's just in, you know, one small area of it this is, beautiful county in which like, we live. We need that I, everywhere. I, I, and I know from, from experience of um, that, it, you know, there was a lot of work went into that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that didn't happen overnight. Yeah. No, it didn't. And, you know, we, we like, unfortunately, the way things have gone with the restrictions is, and, and COVID in general is it's kind of... It's, caught a lot of things out and it's shown up a lot of the weaknesses in our systems. Um, and like particularly, you know, in relation to disabilities, in relation to, uh, I mean, all of the, we look, we can go over the whole thing, like the disability services were put on hold, cancer screening, all of these things. Everybody in the vulnerable category had their, had their services restricted or cut. And so we're now playing catch up with that. Um. But I, I think it also means like that, you know, our priorities weren't in the right place. I mean, we were getting over the tannoy in, in the, the, the shopping centres and everywhere else and over the radio and social media and all, you know, be kind, consider the most vulnerable. But government didn't consider the most vulnerable at all. You know, we had our services cut. We had to campaign. Um, and and uh, I'm very glad that myself and Ian who played a part in um, campaigning to get the special schools reopened. 
and, and, and I don't you know, know. I don't know the level. I don't know the level of um, autism that Bob has, uh, Joanne. But when you have to constantly advocate and constantly have to explain, would he be aware of what's going on? Would he you be? See, this, th- that is actually a, a, a question that cuts to the very heart of the issue. Um, we were put in in really terrible situations because he would. He isn't aware. He doesn't have that awareness. And we were put in situations where we were having to explain in front of him, talk about him in front of him, talk about his vulnerabilities in front of him to strangers. I mean, in crowded shops. And the fact that people could not see the inhumanity of that. I mean, again, I think this goes back to the lack of moral leadership in government that they allowed this to happen. And that they have put, I, I think, abdicated all responsibility for civil society and put it into the hands of ad hoc individuals that you, you know, meet on the street, and you know, it's, it's or meet in a shop or meet in an organisation. And if that particular person has disability training, you could be on a winner. You could be great. And if they don't, you could be find yourself explaining things. Um. And not yeah, and it's, and it's uh, as, as you say, the kindness thing. It's it's kindness. for people to be kind yeah. and and kindness. and to yeah. understand. D- have you ever tried the, the you know the sunflower lanyard? Yeah. Have Have you ever oh, tried? He was wearing it. Was he wearing? Yeah. See, yeah. I just don't know how many people actually know what the sunflower lanyard. Well, it's 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 it's, it's yeah. a, to, to, to people who don't know if you ever see anyone wearing a lanyard with a sunflower and I think other people do a badge with it as well. It's kind of a discreet yeah. sign do, that yeah. the wearer has yeah. a hidden disability and um, yeah. and and I know certainly at airports there there's a great awareness, but that's at air at airports. Massive I don't uh, awareness. Yeah, Massive I don't. I don't know. At yeah, but I don't yeah. know out in the general public and in shops. I mean, no. I, I, um, and this does this then go. It's patchy again. You yeah. can, you can. But does this go back to individual retailers then needing to bring their A game and start educating and training does, their their staff? I do, but I, I do, but I think at the same time these things need legislative backup because it's like it should be there, like health and safety. It should be something that is done, um, that you know comes to a certain standard, you, you'd have to have a standard. I mean, this couldn't be just somebody going in and having a chat for half an hour or an hour and you take a box in and say you've done disability training. I mean, look at the whole range of disabilities that are out there, particularly in the hidden disabilities range. But even even when a disability isn't hidden, like there are, are, are many complexities to it. Mm. Mm. Um, and and how is require you know sensitivity in in, in dealing with how is your son getting on um, Joanne he's back at school now is he he's back at school thank God and the school have been fantastic um, and they're giving him great support but I mean they have uh, you know they've put um, all the supports and multi-D supports and pupil support plan in place for him now because he has suffered trauma throughout this and what's the future looking like at 18? Where does, what's the plan? Well, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. You know, uh-huh. um, that's another thing that uh, I, I'll be prioritising as well. You know, we need to standardise adult services for, across the country for people with disabilities. Um, and particularly for, you know, um, 
uh, I suppose in this area, like it seems to be very patchy, it's hit or miss, and you could you could be going somewhere that is well outside your um, your local area. And I think people need to be seen in their local area. Mm. That that's a big part. Yeah. Of it. That's yeah, and yeah, and then people get to understand and realize. Oh, there's yeah. Bob, yeah. and they know that Bob has yeah. additional needs. Yeah, yeah and that's that's yeah. it. Okay, yeah. all I right. Mean, this that's worked for us. Like you know, with athletics, we have a fantastic athletic club, Ballancolic Athletics. Great, you know, massive, massive support there from the coaches. Park runs, um, parents and kids together, uh, you know, all of those things have contributed massively. And also the fact that the schools here are very inclusive and they've always linked in with our special school, Our Lady Good Council in Balancholic, always linked in with them. There's always been, um, you know, a focus from Our Lady Good Council on integration and they've, like, that has always really... Um, just to us. Yeah, yeah. Listen, they're in you the ma- in the main people are great, but we just need yeah. to. Yeah, yeah it's, but it's, this is it. There, there, the there will always be some. Great. There will always be some. But you, you and, know, and you come here. The, the scene with the, the toilet. The, the scene with the to- mm-hmm. obviously you can't let Bob into a toilet uh, on his own. No, so you, you have no, to no, you have to no. go no. with him. And yeah. you have somebody outside bang, banging on the door. So you obviously had to open the door. Yeah. Was was he very apologetic then when he realised? No. No. Well. Well, no. okay. Yeah. Listen, uh, Joanne, you're a great advocate. Uh, keep it up, and uh, uh, thanks a million for joining us. And just thanks so much. And just for sharing that, the story might just you know get people to just as you say, I be kind, be kind, be kind. You know, and also be confident like that. You know, if if something um, is happening that is impinging on your your rights and your you know just people with disabilities have to you know have the confidence to stand up and say, you know, this is affecting me. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with being a little bit different. What no. a boring world we'd Absolutely. live in if we were all the same. You Absolutely. mind yourself and best wishes to Bob. Thank and thanks, you so much for Thanks that. for joining thanks us. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Joanne Murphy, uh, a mum of uh, four from Balancholic, but very much advocating on behalf of her son. And that is a problem when it's when it is a hidden disability, when per- when somebody, uh, what's perfect, but when somebody looks perfect, when somebody looks normal and uh, suddenly they have a little bit some challenging needs and special needs and just some people just don't understand it. Uh, 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Cleena Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am. Irish Sunday on C103. We are off to Dumanway Guard, the station where I'm joined by Sergeant Michael Golden uh, for this week's Agar the File. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And we are starting with an appeal for some information on crimes and starting with the theft of a bicycle in Clonakilty. And some of these bicycles today can be expensive items. Absolutely. Yeah, Patricia, um, we're just appealing there in relation to a bike. Last Monday, the 31st of May, between 8.30am and 11.30am, a black Ignite Mystique mountain bike with a white saddle was taken from outside the shop on Ash Street in Clannacilty. So Gardia, uh, Clannacilty Garda Station are looking for assistance in relation to the matter. And are appealing to anybody who saw anything or anybody acting suspicious in the Ash Street area to contact uh, Clannacilty Garda Station 
on 023-88-21570. And if you're investing in an expensive bike, you need to invest in an expensive lock as well, don't you? Absolutely, you should lock up your bike as well. Um, I, I would also appeal to people to take a photograph of the bike um, note the serial number, uh, take a screenshot of that or an email and send it back to yourself so you have a record of that forever. And I suppose if we're looking for a bike afterwards, we'll have them, we'll have them details as well. That's good advice, that's good advice. Now, something we don't often hear about is criminal damage out on Cape Clear. And you've got three incidents. Yeah, so last weekend, um, we, uh, we're, the next appeal is the rest of three criminal damage incidents that happened uh, in Cape, Cape Clear. Um, all of these incidents occurred between 6 p.m., on Saturday the 29th of May, going into Sunday morning the 30th of May. So two of the incidents are pretty much identical in nature. Um, a single window was broken in two separate holiday homes. The damage caused in both these cases was, was as a result of a rock being thrown through the windows. There was no entry gain to either of the homes. But on the same night um, and the same time frame, a vehicle that was parked up overnight was damaged by a rock which was thrown at a wing mirror. So these three incidents occurred in close proximity to each other, um, which is very unusual. Um, and if anybody has any information in relation to suspicious activity in Cape Clear last Saturday night going into Sunday morning, could they please contact Skivereen Garden Station on 028-23088. You would, you would assume they're possibly linked? I would think so, yeah. 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 We're, we're keeping our options open. Shocking. But yeah, it is. It's, it's just it's senseless. Unusual, yeah, yeah I, I, very unusual, but senseless uh, yeah. as well. Now, we're approaching June Bank Holiday uh, weekend, and while certainly the weather forecast is nothing like it was last weekend, but people will still be out and about whenever there is a, a little bit of uh, sunshine. You just want to offer advice to people with regard to the Bank Holiday weekend. Yeah, I suppose, look, there's a different crime trends that happen at this, at this time of the year. So I'm just going to go through a few different crimes. So the first one I'm going to talk about is theft from MPVs, theft from vehicles, okay? So we're coming to the bank holiday weekend. The weather's getting good. People are going to be going to beaches. They're going to go to beauty spots. So I would encourage people just to never leave valuables on display in your vehicle. Always lock your vehicle. By valuables, I mean handbags, uh, wallets, iPads, laptops. Um, the second thing I want to just discuss is in relation to power tools. They're in high demand this time of the year as well. So I just I, I, I would tell the listeners maybe just to photograph your property, mark it, uh, record serial numbers, and lock it up when it's not in use. Um, and if you have people calling to you door to door trying to sell you power tools um, at a reduced price, um, do not engage with cold callers. The, the property may be stolen, and just contact your local garden station with details of that suspicious activity. Okay, and uh, yeah, and somebody's calling to your house, a knockdown price. If it's too good to be true, then it is it more. Is. It's more exactly. than likely it's it's stolen. Uh, so you've just you've got to be really really careful do, with that. And even if, and I know on this slot in the past, we've mm-hmm. had cases where somebody has left a power tool out at the front of the house. They've gone into the back to get something, yeah. and you know, like a couple of minutes. And uh, in many cases, it's opportunistic. Somebody driving by sees it and it's grabbed and it's gone. You know, so you, you can't yeah. leave anything unattended. You can't Unfortunately. No, no, no. Um, the last thing I want to talk to you there about is in relation to burglaries. I suppose at this time of the year now, uh, residential burglaries, they usually occur during the daytime, uh, daytime hours, when nobody's at home. So what I would say to people is that if they're going outside the house again, that people usually have their windows and doors open, especially with the good weather, trying to air the house. But if they are leaving the house for any short period of time, make sure that they lock their windows and lock their doors. And if they have, if they have an alarm, just activate it. 
um, and never store cash, large amount of cash at home either. Just put into a credit union bank account or a post office, whichever one you have. And if you are lucky enough to be going away, get somebody to keep an eye on your house. Absolutely do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, and fraud and cybercrime, Michael, it seems to be on a daily basis. I'm Only today I was reading out another number uh, of, uh, of what appears to be a scam from an AIB bank. Yeah. Uh, but... And, and yesterday I was talking about an, an inspector in uh, North Cork who was, uh, Amory Toomey, who was talking about, you know, cases of people losing huge sums of money. You know, we're talking about into the thousands yeah. being cleared out of people's bank accounts. And some would say it's hard to believe that people are still getting caught. But these criminals are so good at what they do. They are. They are. They're very, like I suppose, they're very, um, they come across as very legitimate. But what I say to people is, look, don't open unknown sources or links, all right? Never give out your bank details, your PPS number to anybody Report uh, um, saying that they're from a reputable company or a state agency. So if you're in doubt, I suppose, and someone's ringing you on the phone looking for details, uh, just hang up, disconnect, um, and then ring back the company again to see where they're actually looking for you. And if you are a victim of a fraud, I suppose, um, what I would encourage people to do is just report it to Engage Chicana and we'll investigate it. And we know people get, get embarrassed about being got, got caught out, but don't. Never re- be embarrassed. No, yeah. no, no. We're there to help and yeah. we'll be treated with the utmost respect. And as I say, these criminals, they're getting better and better at yeah. what they uh, do. And then trying to keep everybody safe across this bank holiday weekend and as we head into the uh, summer months, uh, silage season? Yeah, silage season. We're right in the middle of it now. So look, there's going to be an increased number of uh, agricultural vehicles using the road. So if you are stuck behind the tractor, uh, if you're a motorist, you're stuck behind the tractor, just be patient. Don't be tempted to any foolish or rash overtaking. So be be respectful. Um, reduce your speed and always be on the lookout, I suppose, if you're driving along the road um, of upcoming farmyards and fields, just in case a machine is coming out onto the road. And likewise, I suppose, I just encourage the farm owners, uh, landowners and contractors to ensure there's adequate signage on the road as well, just warning people, uh, warning motorists. And if, I suppose if they are drawing, drawing silos on the road, I'd ask them when safe to do so, just to pull in and allow any build-up of traffic to pass. So I think everyone just seems to be respectful for everyone on the road, uh, all road users. And the roads will be busier. I mean, it's the first weekend that mm. hotels are open and people will be heading back yeah. to holiday homes and caravan parks, uh, etc. So the roads will be will be busy and drink driving and no-no. Yes, big time. Uh, big driving. Yeah, drink driving. Look, I just want to give an appeal out to your listeners there. I suppose, look, um, on Garage Corner, we're going to be out in force this bank holiday weekend, especially down in West Cork. And we're going to be targeting lifesaver offences. So basically, I want everyone to slow down. Don't use your mobile phone when driving. Make sure you wear your seatbelt. And most importantly of all, never ever drink and drive. Um, and don't drive under in the influence of any intoxicant. Okay. Um, I just have, I suppose, just a few figures there I want to give out to you as well. Okay. The RSA have carried out a bit of research on road, on road collisions there recently. So 78 people have been killed or seriously injured in June Bank Holiday weekend collisions since 2016. Uh, 39% of these drivers killed between 2013 and 2017 had a toxicology result for alcohol, a positive one. Um, and 11% of fatal collisions in which drivers consumed alcohol occurred between 7am and 11am. So look, I say to you, look, if you feel as though you're not fit to drive, never take a chance. Yeah. Uh, don't, just don't do it, I suppose. And drink driving is drink driving no matter what time of the day or night. So even in the morning, I suppose, as well. Uh, I know these are very hard-hitting statistics, but I suppose it's very important to get the message out there to your listeners. Yeah, yeah, just just look yeah. after look after look yourself after and, and stay safe. Okay, and you yeah. have a new a new phone number for Dunmanway Garda Station? Yes, a new number there for Dunmanway Garda Station. For any, anybody in the Dunmanway area there, it's 023 
0818561120. Okay, listen, thank you for that. Have a good week, uh, Michael, and thanks, thanks for joining Appreciate us. It. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Sergeant Michael Golden, who was based at Dunmanway Garda Station. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And I can see a lot of texts and WhatsApps coming in from uh, people who have received an AstraZeneca shot and wondering, and they're at kind of the eight, nine week mark and wondering now how long they're going to have to wait for the second jab. We don't know, except all we know is that NIAC now are recommending flexibility between eight and 12 weeks. So that's not to say that everyone is going to get their second dose as, at exactly eight weeks. NIAC made that recommendation to Tony Houlihan at uh, Neffet and then Tony Houlihan then writes to the HSC and the HSC are looking at it now but it is going to take I would think a couple of weeks to get it sorted out with appointment times and and all of that Uh, but you will get a text to tell you when you are due back for your second dose uh, because the confusion over some people saying that they got the date when they went for their first shot and we've realised now it's at the GP practice and a couple more texts in on that Patricia I got my first vaccine and my doctor's surgery during May and I got the Pfizer vaccine on the card as I left was the appointment date and time for the second exactly four weeks later my partner meanwhile got their vaccine at City Hall and there's no future date on theirs no they've got a way to get a text message and hi Trish yes my husband and I both got our vaccines on the 23rd of June and on that day we were given our date and time for our second dose on Saturday the 19th of July. It was in Tower in our doctor, the, in our doctors in the medical centre. Fantastic setup to get the jab done by the nurse. Then they put a sticker on you to tell you the time. That's the 15 minutes that you have to sit and await. You sit in the waiting area under observation of a doctor. When your time's up, he comes over, says, how are you feeling? All good to go. And off you go. Then the seat is sanitised for the next person. There was a constant flow of people in there on Saturday and uh, Sunday. I tell you, some of the GP practices have been, they've been playing a blinder well done thank you for thank you for that and hi Patricia when the restaurants start serving outdoors from next Monday and pubs can serve outdoor drinks as well will we be able to use the toilets yes you will but what I would suggest you need to double check at the restaurant or at the pub or if you're going for a drink whatever it is just double check that they are allowing it because it will obviously be an individual choice but yes the regulations specify that you can use the toilets if you're When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Dining or if you are having drinks. Can I stay with toilets for a moment? Because Marie Infermoy has a tale to tell. Good afternoon to you, Marie. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, this was last weekend. You headed to Kinsale with your granddaughter. I headed last Friday afternoon. The weather was pretty good and we picked our granddaughter up from school and we decided we'd take a trip to Kinsale and take get a, a takeaway as a treat. Gorgeous. So that was the plan. So when we got to Kinsale, anyway, she needed to go to the toilet. Now, what age is your granddaughter? She's six. Six, so she's a little one. Okay. She's a little one, yeah. Okay. Need to go to the toilet, Granny. Need to, go, need to go to the toilet. And when a child needs to go to the toilet, <laughs> they need to go to the toilet. Uh, an adult can kind of... Hold on. <laughs> hold on to some extent, anyway. Yeah. But anyway, we decided we there was nothing else open, as you know, only the public toilet. So we headed for the public toilets. And at the door, there was water running out to meet us. Oh. Was that that bad, that bad? It was that bad. I never saw anything in my whole life. I'm 66 years of age and I've never seen anything as bad, Patricia. How many toilets are in in that? There were three. One was completely blocked up, which was unusable. The other two left a lot to be desired, but you could manage if you had to. So there was water running down the walls then at the back of the toilets and in general. You c- and were you, able, you couldn't use them, could you? You couldn't use them. There was no way in this wide earthly world you could use them, which resulted in ha- her having an accident. Ah, bless. Ah, the poor little And thing. she was, yeah, she was embarrassed. We had no change of clothes. We didn't expect this to happen. So we had to head back home and she was very disappointed over heading, having to head back home and she was also very embarrassed at what had happened. Yeah, and a six-year-old having an accident. Yes. Whatever yes. about a very small toddler who's been yes. toilet trained, they're having accidents all the time. But yeah, and they're the, that's the, they are the public toilets and there's just the one set in Kinsale, isn't it? There isn't there's any other. There's one set, Patricia, and there were a few tourists around and, you know, I, I, I dread to what they had thought if they had to use those. Now, we'll get on to the council because the last time we spoke about the public toilets in Kinsale was following a weekend and similar stories like what you're t- telling yeah. came back to us. And we got on to the council and they got back on to us straight away and took us to task saying that they regularly clean those toilets and that they're cleaned at the weekends. But, I mean, if that was Friday, that was there any evidence that that toilet had been cleaned in the previous 24 hours? No. No, no not, not to me, Patricia, no. And I mean, now more than ever, they should be extra vigilant about keeping public toilets clean because people have nowhere else to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now more than ever, with us being allowed outside of our 5K and staycationing and for the businesses to try and give a bit of... I mean, did you get your takeaway? No, we didn't. We yeah. came home because she was uncomfortable. Yeah, so so a local little business, oh. a takeaway in Kinsale, yeah. missed out on your business. It it did. Well, it did miss out. But I mean, she missed out more because she was looking forward to it. Yeah. OK, we'll get on to the council again. Uh, but it's, yeah, that's, it's just it's not good. It's just not good enough in, in this day and age. It really isn't isn't good it's, enough. It's, it's not good enough, Patricia. 
All right. Okay. All right, Marie. Listen, thank you for that. And, uh, and hope thank you for taking the call. No Patricia. problem. No problem. I hope your granddaughter is okay. Is okay. Uh, she is. Uh, we'll make another attempt. You will. <laughs> you will. And there'll be more open the next time you head back. There will. And it's, All going well. Yeah. All right. Take care, okay, Marie. Bye bye. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And just for a little six-year-old, and you know, at that age, they're so prim and proper, and little girls, and, and the idea of having an accident like that when you're at, when you're out in public, it's just awful. Eighteen fifty three three. Three one zero three. Some of your WhatsApps in. Uh, keep your WhatsApps coming in. By the way, if you have a pet question, you can text our WhatsApp away at six two one zero three one zero three, or you can give John Paul a call. Uh, but just just a thought. Um, the gentleman that was speaking up for rural Ireland. This was Patrick Murphy, who we started the program with this morning. Who is a fisherman, and he wants to set up a new group for uh, rural uh, Ireland. If we're not able to meet and speak at the moment yet, because that's he's hoping to have sort of meet in rural areas all over the country just to sign, get the get a conversation going I think around a political movement that would be aimed at, at rural Ireland if people can't move because of Covid why not move it online put the point forward on what he's looking to do uh, he would uh, until we can actually meet up yeah move it move it to online and see if we could see if he can get the conversation going that way and I think yeah and I think once he starts to get the conversation going because while we're talking uh, talking at it from a rural area in you know in Cork the problems we have in here in Cork is reflected in rural areas all over the country. It isn't just it isn't just a Cork uh, problem for sure. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp as to zero eight six two one zero three one zero three. The C one zero three Cork Diary with the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Mallow Parish are celebrating Corpus Christi tomorrow Thursday, or sorry, this evening today is Thursday, uh, with a Eucharistic street blessing. It'll begin at the Church of the Resurrection at half past uh, six, and people are invited to stand outside your home as a mark of respect. And Feed West Cork Food Bank, they are continuing to help people in need in a very discreet and confidential way. If you need a helping hand, you need to get in contact, please, by phone or text to 087 287 or you can do it through the Facebook Facebook Messenger. They're also welcoming food donations. If you can help Esther, your contact the same number 087 287 9118. And Skibbereen Country Market is open every Friday, so they'll be open tomorrow morning, half 11 to half 1, and it's in Abbey Strewry Hall in uh, Skib. And there's some drive in bingos happening tomorrow. Kildallery Drive in Bingo tomorrow night, 8. That's at the Creamery Car Park. And if you're in West Cork, you can head to Castletown Bear for their car bingo tomorrow night. It's on the east end of the pier. Please note the change of location. That's at half past seven. They've got a jackpot of €1,400 in 49 calls. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And just on public toilets, uh, Audrey says, hi, I agree. The public toilets in Kinsale are terrible. I was there two weeks ago with friends and more or less the toilets were exactly the same as your listener Marie had described and uh, poor old Marie's granddaughter then having a six-year-old having an accident with your heart uh, go out to her. And Robert said the toilets in Supervalue in Kinsale have been closed for over two years now. Uh, God help the shoppers if you need to use a uh, toilet. And uh, yeah, and some, that's an individual choice. Some supermarkets have left 
toilets open and others have closed them and I'm assuming it's to do with the staffing uh, issue but these are public toilets that should be maintained and should be accessible to the general public and as Marie said there was tourists in the area walking around and particularly during this pandemic when you can't pop into a restaurant and have lunch and go to the toilet at the same time you know I know things will get slightly different from Monday with the outdoor dining and obviously you will be able to go and have a cup of coffee and then maybe go and use the toilet but you know for now during the lockdowns the you know, public toilets the, I think extra work I don't know I don't know how many times they clean them but it should have been doubled and tripled to make sure that they're ready when somebody needs to use them and that they're clean and that they're functioning. I mean, the way Marie described it, there was an issue. Some of them in toilets constantly blocked and water running down walls. It sounds like it needs a lot more work than just a little bit of cleaning. As I say, we'll get John Paul to send an email and we'll see what we get back uh, from them. Now, Liz wants to join us. This is to do with theory tests. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Liz. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very well. Goodness me, your son trying to learn to drive and he needs to sit the theory test to get him on that road. Yes. Now tell me what's been happening. Well, he has a job for the summer, provided he has his provisional licence. So that's to go wrapping silage. Okay. So this is the fifth time our test has been cancelled. And they gave us a date for the 23rd of July, intrally, which isn't too far away from us. And because the silage season would be almost wrapped up at that stage, I tried to get his date brought forward, which I did to the 11th of June, but that was above in Carrig on Shannon. Now, where, sorry, where were you? I'm in Newmarket, County Cork. Uh, Carrick and Shannon? Where, yeah. where, how far away is Carrick and Shannon? It's three and a half hours drive. To do a theory right. test? Yes. Oh, they're having a laugh. That's a mistake, surely. No, it's not. But I, I was willing to drive that far to get the day brought earlier, which was the 11th of June. And then yesterday, they emailed me to say the 11th of June has now been cancelled and they are taking his date out to the 23rd of July again, but this time it's above in Carrigan Shannon at which, 9 o'clock in the morning. Which was the original date for the one in Tralee? Yes. But now you've got to go to Carrigan Shannon on the 23rd of July? Yes, because if I try to change back to Tralee or anywhere closer to home, It'll be October. Oh, God, this is ridiculous. And the 23rd of July, 9am in the morning. Yes. And do they know you're three and a half hours away? Well, I tried explaining that to him in the the theory test yesterday when I rang him. And she said that she could get me the 29th of July, but that was above in Mayo. (laughs) This is getting more bizarre by the minute. It is crazy. And we're not the only ones. This is everyone around the country. Well, the last time I spoke with Labour Deputy Sean Sherlock, who in fairness has been banging on about this since, I think, the start of the pandemic, I think his last figure was, is it over 100,000 people are waiting to do a theory test? And then there was great talks of putting it online, which is the obvious thing to do. online for the month of June, but it was only for 1,500 applicants which was booked out within 20 minutes. Yeah, but I mean, I can't understand it. If they're doing it, if they're doing it for 1,500 applicants, it's an online procedure. I can't understand why they can't do it for, for, for everyone. And now in the meantime, your son is, he's, he, 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 he'll lose out on the, on the bit of work as well for the summer months. Oh yeah, completely. 
And it's not just that. It's like contractors are finding it so hard to get drivers this year because they depend on 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Like, the government don't want the kids out passing and mixing in big numbers and everything, but yet they won't give them their licence to get to work. The government have to make up their minds. It's either a stay-at-home and party for the summer or give them their licence and let them go to work. Yeah. Yeah, is, is he is he really disappointed? He's horrified. This is going on with six or seven months. And we've literally, every time he has been two or three days away from sitting his test when they've cancelled it. And he's obviously all ready to go. He's done the work that needs to be done and the study that you need to do for it. Yes. <sighs> and then there's the whole opportunity that if to the case of that someone did fail their theory test, they could be looking at another seven or eight months before they get to another date. And, uh, and it's going no to be it is going to be months upon months to get through that backlog unless they finally just move the whole thing online. Yeah, and now they're saying because what we'll is um, if you have to go to the centres themselves, they're only working allowed working quarter capacity, which means there's still no guarantees that my son will get to city's test on the twenty third of July. It's just not good enough. It really is just not good enough. So, so you're at now, you're at the 20, so you're left with the 23rd of July and you're left with the 23rd of July, 9am in the morning in Carrick and Shannon. Yes. And there is nothing closer to home. Have they even got them on a list, a standby list or is there anything like that? You see, you can keep going online to try and get your dates changed, which that is what I done. But then they can cancel it again. So you're yeah, not actually. Yeah, there's no, there's no the point. Date. Yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no. I mean, it'll be shameful if you end up having to go to uh, Carrick and Shannon uh, because, uh, particularly if it's going to be on that date on the twenty third of July, when you would have only had to drive to Sir Lee, it'll be yes. shameful if you end up having to make uh, that kind of uh, a journey. Okay, we'll we'll get on to the RSA, and we might even get on to Sean Sherlock and see if Sean can give any any words of advice or any suggestion for you. And in the meantime, you're going to keep. Will you keep trying? You know, is it even worth keep trying to see? Does the date come up? Well, it's you can try, but it's just so disheartening every time. No. Like there's still no guarantee, which is the the problem. If they could guarantee that if people go online, change their date to whatever suits themselves, if it is available, and even the likes of us willing to travel the distance, if they can guarantee it, then that would be fine. But the fact that they still can't guarantee it, it makes no sense. But I just can't believe that anyone is, and the very fact is the theory test, the person can't drive. So it means somebody has to bring the young person. Yeah. I can't believe that they're expecting you to, to go three and a half hours to Carrick and Shannon or, or that somebody on the phone suggested, well, I can get you a slot in Mayo. I mean, that is just, that's yeah. certainly the farthest one away I've heard of. Yeah, nothing surprises me anymore though with the theory tests and the RSA it's really nothing surprises me with the stories that, that, that are like coming out like they're blaming the government because of the fact that they're allowed only work in a quarter capacity but this, this the theory test centres have been closed in nearly 12 months yeah yeah. so why hasn't there been more staff recruited like they're not working Saturdays and Sundays it's still only Monday to Friday in the centres 9 to 5 yeah and like what the government needs to realise is these young people, they're hindering and moving forward for the future. Yeah. But it's these young people they're going to be dependent on for their next vote. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And if, and if the young people 
uh, anything like my son, they don't forgive and forget, forget that easily. They have long memories. They have long memories. <laughs> right. OK, listen, Liz, uh, thanks for sharing that with us. And as I say, if we get anything back, we certainly will be straight back on to you. Uh, but uh, listen and pass on our best wishes to Kieran. And when he does eventually get to sit it, we hope he passes with flying colours. But uh, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon to you. 1850 Public Toilets, Mill Street. Mill Street Public Toilets, says Patrick, are absolutely spotless. They're a credit to those who are looking after them in Mill Street, which is proving the point that you can have public toilets in some areas and they're it works. Whoever's, whoever from the council is involved with cleaning and maintaining them, it's they, they can do it. It's just they don't seem to be able to do it everywhere for, for some reason. And I don't know what the reason is. Hi, Patricia. My daughter's theory test has been cancelled five times. She has now been rescheduled for November. It is so crazy. And she's been studying so hard, so frustrating to be ready for a test and you think the date is coming and then suddenly the date gets cancelled. That, yeah, that's an added frustration. 1850 You can see some pet questions coming in for Jane. Keep those coming, please. Michael says, here's another one of your scammers. And this is Mike. And Michael's full name has been put on this uh, text saying, uh, we are unable to deliver a parcel today, but they actually have his full name on it. That's a new one. Usually I haven't seen the full name, name and surname on it but it's another one at least you know it's a scam just delete it immediately that's the advice we're giving to everyone who has received a a text like that you just don't interact this is um, the property tax that uh, everybody pays and more people will be paying now because people who built houses in the last eight years who haven't been paying a property tax will now start to pay a property tax from November. Jay says, Hi Patricia, I built a two-bedroomed house. I did lots of the donkey work myself. 760 square feet. It's just for me. 75k, that's what it cost me and I'm not paying for anything more expensive. The council would want to look at the roads. You wouldn't drive a tractor on uh, them but that's so there's somebody who's saying they're not going to pay uh, anything but the house they feel is valued at 75k now whether the revenue will agree that even though that's what you built your house for what you build it for and what the revenue say it's actually worth because that's what we're hearing that revenue will be tasked with closely monitoring uh, valuations to see if people because the government are saying that they're trusting people to be honest to accurately value your house and I can see a lot of people are asking how do you value the house and will we have to go to will you have to go and get a valuer in because doesn't that sound costly? And it seems we won't, but we'll try to get, and certainly closer to the time, we'll, we'll try and get and get as much information on this as we can and try and get some experts uh, to join us. But it seems that Revenue will launch, an, well, they did launch the last time an online interactive property valuation guide. That's what they did in 2013. And what they did back in 2013 was they assigned average market values of properties in a given location and that kind of gave an an indication of the valuation and the band that your property should be in and you know they looked at things like the type of house, the age of the house and the location of it. Now it didn't 
give market values for individual properties but it gave people a rough guideline and Revenue say it expects to have a similar updated system before the next round of valuations in no in November and then you should be able to, to do the self-assessment yourself. I mean you could go and get somebody in to value your property if you wanted to. Now I, I saw on the papers one auctioneer was saying that if you rang that if if you if you rang a local estate agent, he reckons that they would oblige with an estimate over the phone. But I I don't know how practical that is. If everybody starts ringing local auctioneers, so they'll be absolutely swamped. They're saying one way of doing it as well is to look at neighbouring properties. If you're lucky enough and you live in say in an estate and a house goes up for sale, you can check out how much to the house. You could check maybe how much it's up for sale for. You know, going on websites like myhome.ie, and you can also go onto the property price register i.e. and they list all of the recently sold houses so you'd be able to see if there was a house in your area that would be another way of uh, doing it but uh, but it is looking like revenue will do exactly what they did for 2013 and put up this interactive property valuation guide so people know you can you absolutely if you want to go off and hire a valuer but it's that will cost you how much does how much is a valuer uh, owners can expect to pay about a hundred euro including VAT for lower priced properties um, or oh, that's if that's a spe- that's special rates that some that was a Dublin value I think was, was quoting price of that anyway as I say getting close to the time we'll certainly do more on it and uh, we'll try to get you as much information as we can because it is based on what revenue are trusting is that people will accurately value the their house so you can work out how much property tax that you will, will be expected to pay but as I did say earlier they reckon 53% of people will pay exactly the same property tax that they've been paying for the last eight years about a third of people will pay more and 11% of people will actually pay less Tony says Hi Patricia isn't it strange the HSE are now uh, rolling out the COVID-19 vaccination procedures to pharmacists I went to my GP and he declined to give me a vaccine and told me I needed to apply online through the HSC website through the portal uh, which has caused me to refuse it as they were only offering me AstraZeneca. I am a man in my 60s and I don't want to get AstraZeneca. I'm happy enough to wait until the back of the queue until an alternative is offered to me. Yesterday I heard of a 54 year old who got his first jab and he got the Moderna. I'd love to talk to you on air but I can't because I am at work says uh, Tony. And there were other people in their 60s as well. The, the majority of people in their 60s, though, did go and did get AstraZeneca. And I keep going back to it is still a really good and a really, a really good vaccine. And it just people need to get the second one in order to make sure that they really are protected against the Indian uh, strain. But for some people, they did their research and they still weren't happy with it. And you were within your rights uh, on that. So whether you'll be able to go to a pharmacy when the pharmacy gets it, I don't know. From what I've heard, even though the Irish pharmacy Union are waiting to hear what has been what was speculated on the papers yesterday was that they initially will be given Jan- some of the Janssen Janssen job the Johnson and Johnson jab, but they'll be giving it to people in their fifties who haven't registered uh, so far. And then after that, I don't know what age cohort they're going to be giving it to. Which you can obviously, Tony, check in with your local pharmacy. Eighteen fifteen three 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 one zero three. 
John Paul taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, we're looking for your pet questions, please. 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Just a couple of quick texts in. Eileen uh, was listening to Liz talking about her son with the driver theory test. Eileen said, oh my God, Patricia, that lady and her son who needs his driving test, they should have kept the date for Tralee. I know, but they didn't know they cancelled it because they got an earlier test that then got cancelled and now the the very same date as the Tralee one, but they're up in Carrick and Shannon instead. Eileen said, my daughter has had her test cancelled four times. She now has a date for July, but wait and see, that could be cancelled again. Why the hell can't they offer everyone to do it online? I hear you, sister. I hear you. This is going on far too uh, long. This issue needs to get sorted out. The RSA need to sort it out and let people do it online for goodness sake. I am with you 100% on that one, Eileen. And just on toilets, Kinsale Public Toilets Audrey says they need to be knocked down and rebuilt. They're like that with at least 10 years. They are simply out of date. And the public toilets in Dunmanway are a credit to somebody by the name of Jack Hickey. I don't know who Jack Hickey is, but whoever he is, please take a bow. OK, let me go to Newmarket, to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where I'm joined by our resident vet, Jane Pickett. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we're straight in with questions for you, Jane. Another Jane, but this time Jane in Mallow wants to know, what makes a neutered tomcat very bossy? One of our neutered tomcats is bossing all of the other cats, not even our own cats. He seems to be bossing the neighbours' cats around the place as well. What is that? Is it anything to do with the fact that he's neutered or is it just a personality thing? an interesting one so normally let's say traditionally unneutered so entire male cats can sometimes be quite territorial can get involved in cat fights quite a lot and can be quite bossy and normally we put that down to quite a high level of testosterone and um, so it's hormonal essentially they're defending their territory and that's what they're pre-programmed to do normally when a when a pet is neutered when a cat is neutered they don't tend to be as let's say territorial they don't tend to engage in as much cat fighting as they would have if they were entire however some of the behavior that let's say they would have had associated with being an entire male cat so uh, a male with with testicles before they were castrated some of those behaviors can be learned so if they were previously very territorial very bossy engaged in a lot of cat fighting some of that can sometimes actually be habit um, some of it can actually be as our listeners suggests be personality we're all a little bit different you know like there's there's a great variety of different human personalities out there and there's also a great variety of different cat personalities out there it may just be that this one particular cat you know is very fond of making sure that all of his resources are protected his territory is protected and um, can potentially be a little bit sensitive to other cats in the area so part of it could indeed be personality I think what I would say is be reassured in the fact that he's probably doing a lot less of this bossiness now that he's neutered than he would be if he was still entire and it's always a really good responsible decision to get them neutered as well because we don't want to expand that feral cat population anymore because it's already a big problem um, so I think yes probably quite bossy I think if there are cats in particular he's beating up let's say next door neighbours and things like that it is always really good I suppose 
Um, having lived in, let's say, an urban area where there would have been a lot of cats in a similar situation, um, it is always good to make that connection with the neighbour and, you know, make them aware that you're aware of what's going on and try and figure out if there's any ways that you could try and, let's say, keep the cats apart or have their times where they go outside staggered so that, let's say, every cat is safe and every cat can be stress-free outside as far and as is possible. Because he may never grow out of it. No, he might no, not. He no. might not. Some, some will settle. Some will settle and they'll kind of learn how they fit in the pecking order of the cats in the surrounding area and things might calm down. But there is the possibility he'll always just be a little bit bossy. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of a bully. OK, a West Cork listener says, Hi Jane, could you advise me please on what to do? Our chocolate Labrador was in the water swimming. She, we were going swimming every day. She absolutely loves it. But she seems to have caught her claw and it seems to be falling off. I've put a bandage and some antiseptic cream on it and I'm just wondering, would it eventually fall off or what should I do? A West Cork listener. Okay, okay, yeah. This is always a really common one that we see and it's really stressful for the owner because obviously your pet is in quite quite a lot of discomfort quite immediately when this little nail has been broken and for your pet as well it's a really sore thing. I think I wouldn't underestimate how uncomfortable it can be to have a little nail like this kind of rip or fall off and sometimes it happens if they're simply unlucky and they happen to get a, a claw stuck in something. It's usually li- the little dew claws so the ones on the inside of the leg that aren't in contact with the ground. It's normally those ones that get caught in things but not always. It can be any claw um, it is exactly like us if we happen to break a nail and it was half hanging on if you can imagine kind of walking around every day um, and having that in contact with the floor and everything you come into contact with it's really kind of sore and irritating every time it's moved it will fall away eventually but what I would stress is just to minimise the discomfort to your dog I would advise visiting your vet for them to remove the nail. Now, it could be a very simple procedure or or depending on how much of the nail is left remaining, it might require a, a sedation or a general anaesthetic, but it's better off than kind of half hanging on, causing a lot of pain and discomfort for your dog. As well, it is really important to just make sure there's no signs of infection so your vet will be able to check the, the nail bed, so the little quick of the nail that's left and see if there's any infection because obviously it's, it's almost like an open wound. It's the perfect hotbed, nice, moist, warm area that infection can set in if, if it's abnormal with the nail being ripped off. So just to prevent any knock-on issues as well, such as infection, it really is better to visit your vet about this one. But well done on the initial first aid of bandaging it and making sure it was nice and clean. But I think it's best to pop to your vet at this point. Just to get it checked. Uh, hi, uh, Patricia. Yeah. Question for Jane. Um, I've just got an eight-week-old puppy. Congratulations. Uh, advice, please, on a good product for fleas, ticks and mites. She's about two kilos in weight. OK, great. Well, First and foremost, congratulations. As you said, Patricia, this is a really exciting time for everybody involved in the family. And also really well done on having a solid think about what's a good product as a preventative um, measure for worms and fleas. Now, what I would say is there are some kind of simple golden rules. I, I can't give you an absolute name of a product to use. But what I would say is speak to your local vet, whatever vet you're planning on using for your dog um, or a cat if it was a kitten, then do speak to them and ask them what products are available and what would suit you, your lifestyle and your pet the best. Now, there are some simple rules of thumb that you can use. I would always advise using a flea and worm product that is safe and is well tested. And to do that, you're going to have to be buying it at a vet's or at a licensed pharmacy, okay? Because it means that we're allowed to sell products that have been effectively tested and are licensed. So they have a special license to be able to be sold and we know that they work really well. There are a lot of products on the market that are sold in other places that 
don't go through the same degree of rigorous testing that a product that would be sold in a, in a vet's or in a pharmacy would be, but also they don't have the same rigorous safety testing. So we don't know if they really work very well and we don't know if they're really very safe. So I think regardless of the actual name of the product, speak to your vet because they will be the best person to guide you as to what they have available locally. Um, and also to have a deeper chat about your, your pet's risk factors, what you plan on doing, the area you live in, and the risks specific to, to your area. Like I know around here, around us, there's a lot of woodland area and the ticks, um, a tick cover is absolutely essential where we live because there is a huge tick population and it becomes a big problem, whereas that may not be as big a problem in other local areas. But your vet will be the best person to know exactly what cover you need. But well done on thinking about it. It's really important to keep up to date with it longer term. Um, so I'm sure your vet will be able to sort you out. OK. Hi, uh, Jane. My little indoor chihuahua loves the bath, especially in the clammy weather. We always use a dog shampoo. But my problem with it is it is a very strong odour. Could I use one of our human shower gels or do you think that it may irritate his skin? I, I think I'd be right to be a little bit concerned like it might or it might not but I to be honest I wouldn't take the chance um, generally uh, dog and puppy shampoos are made to suit the pH and also the kind of the, the fat barrier that, uh, that a normal dog coat will form and that's very different to a normal let's say um, a normal pH of our skin and the normal kind of factors that we have to keep our skin healthy. So it really is best to stick to the dog shampoos. Now, if the one you have has a very strong smell, don't hesitate to look around and look for other brands because I know like there's, there's there, I know we have some lovely smelling ones. We have some that, that are not very scented at all. So I'm sure your local vet or pet shop will be able to, they'll probably have a selection of different ones and maybe just say to them, you want something that doesn't have a particular scent. Um, and they might be able to sort you out with something. But I, I, I think on another note, I would avoid washing too frequently. Um, so I'd say at an absolute maximum of once every two or three weeks, unless your pet gets very, very dirty and needs a bath, obviously. But really, it's it's more of a case of in order to keep the skin healthy, it has to have a certain amount of, of oils and fats build up on its surface. And that's part of the skin barrier as well. So every time we wash a pet, um, it can strip a little bit of that away. Now, in a lot of cases, the shampoos are made so that they make as, as little of a dent in that as possible. But if we're washing very frequently, it can actually dry the skin out. So just be a little be bit careful. careful with okay. Washing. And then the listener has having problems. My pups, 12 weeks old, are refusing to eat their puppy nuts. Just won't eat them anymore. I've tried two different types. They're fine to eat, to drink water. They're actually drinking loads of water, but they won't drink the puppy nuts. It's been going on for the last four days and I'm starting to worry about them. Okay, so I assume from what our listener said that the puppies are otherwise well and very happy. If they're not, you need to visit your vet because puppies don't have a lot of kind of reserve um, to make sure they're okay. If it's really simply that they're just turning their nose up at it, try soaking the nuts. So kind of warm water to soak the nuts for 10 minutes and they'll almost kind of balloon up and become a little bit soft. And just make sure that it's nice and cold. So kind of either lukewarm or even colder, just test a little bit on the back of your wrist, exactly like a baby's bottle to make sure it's cold enough um, to feed to your puppies. But sometimes just warming it a little bit, very, very gently with that water and having it a little bit softer can sometimes really tempt them to get used to a particular food. And try not to be switching too frequently between different brands because that can upset things a little bit. Um, but if you have any concerns, visit your vet. But I try soaking them first. Have they taste buds? They do, yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh, my goodness. Dogs have way more taste buds than we have. They're very astute little tasters, so they are. 
Okay, so but don't be I mean, but don't be chopping and changing. If they get one that they like, kind exactly. of stick with that. Yeah. Okay. Try to yeah, as far as possible. Okay. All right. Listen. Have a great week, and uh, we'll chat to you again next uh, Thursday. And thanks for joining us. Thank Good you. afternoon to you. Bye-bye. That is Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. I was mentioning drive-through bingos. Uh, Patricia, please give a shout-out and mention that the drive-in bingo is continuing in Theo Park, and that's actually on tonight, if you want to go along, and that is at 8 o'clock at sharp. Lots of people going off to the drive-in bingos, and someone else is saying, as you're talking about drive-in bingos, is there any sign of our bingo halls being reopened? Certainly not at the moment. I haven't heard any indication of it. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning for Friday's edition of the programme as we kick off a bank holiday weekend. On to the night, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.